Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie and we've got a great show for you this week. A lot of people joining us. Steve is joining us with a UK report. Jonathan will be having an On the Peg segment. Marvelicious Toys co-host Justin is joining us to talk about the Black Series packaging and we will give our thoughts as well. But to start off, we've actually found something in stores. Which is kind of exciting. Big Lots already has the Titan series of figures. They're $12. They're the ones that look like the giant soap bottles. Yeah, the 12-inch, five-point-of-articulation figures that I haven't bought. I don't know anyone who's bought. I've never seen anyone buy. If you have bought them, please let me know. And you Again, can... no judgment. We just want to know more about your people. I want a hands-on review of these. I'd like to know if they're as bad as they look. But that they are already at Big Lots. Yeah, and I've worked next door to Big Lots for four years, and I have seen very few Star Wars figures actually there. So to get something that's on the same pegs as Walmart and Target, which is very unusual for Big Lots, so I'm kind of... It's very interesting. I'm curious to see what else is going to turn up. What's strange to me is they charge more than Walmart for the figure. Yeah, that is odd, because Big Lots is usually cheaper. But really, a good store report is hard to find these days. As <laughs> That was a store report. The Black Series is scheduled to hit in July. So updating us with what he's finding and buying is Jonathan. Hello, Swanlings. Welcome back to On The Pegs, where we discuss what's new and interesting online and in stores. I'm Jonathan, and hey, are you as excited as I am that there are new figures on the horizon? That's right, folks. After months of nothing, the Black Series is finally coming. The past few weeks has seen a plethora of online retailers putting up the 3 and 3 quarter inch figures, the 6 inch figures, the Mission Series, and the new Saga Legend figures for pre-order. I know a lot of people are less than happy with the new lines, but I for one can't wait to go on some quality toy runs this summer. You know the kind of toy run where you actually have a chance of finding something? Now if you want to ensure that you get 
these new figures as soon as you can and in great condition, go visit Star Wars Action News' new partner, Big Bad Toy Store. They have a variety of options if you want to pick up specific figures in the first wave, complete sets, or an entire case. And while you're there, check out the other items they have in stock, including cases of the Vintage line, Class 1 and Class 2 vehicles, and a wide selection of some of the higher-end items from companies like Sideshow and Gentle Giant. And remember to use the link on Star Wars Action News' webpage when shopping at Big Bad Toy Store. Well, before the new wave of figures hits, there are some pre-orders that were announced this week. Over at Gentle Giant, they put up two new items. The first is Imperial Symbol Bookends, and when I saw these, I was so tempted to put in a pre-order. When you break it down, it's actually a simple piece. They have the black cog symbol set against a white background, but there's something in that simplicity that makes it really sharp. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that I need to add this to my collection. It's only $70 and is set to be released the first quarter of 2014. The second item from Gentle Giant is another of their 12-inch vintage-style figures from The Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo in his Hoth outfit. Again, we get one of the standout figures from the vintage days reproduced faithfully in the 12-inch scale. This figure was always cool to me because it was one of the few that actually had a functional holster for his blaster. Even though I'm not currently collecting this line, it's figures like this that make me want to reconsider. Han is priced at $80 and is also due to be released in the first quarter of 2014. Now, there appears to be a flare-up of Clone Midia at Sideshow, as they announced that they're going to be having pre-orders for not one, not two, but four new deluxe clone troopers in their 1-6 scale line. These will be going up for pre-order on June 27th. The price is not known yet, but previous versions of clones in this line have reportedly gone up in price after their initial release. All four of the Phase 1 armor from Attack of the Clones and early seasons of the Clone Wars, and the variations to be released include a clean white armored one, a white battle-damaged one, a 501st trooper, and a 212th trooper. What's especially nice is that, in true Sideshow style, these appear to come with a good assortment of accessories, like a short blaster, a long blaster, a gatling blaster, backpack, and grenades. So if you want a troop build, you have lots of options. For those of you attending San Diego Comic-Con, Retro Outlaw has revealed their Comic-Con exclusive, the Galactic Bounty Hunter Stuntman Evil Fett. This is a 12-inch mashup of Boba Fett and Evil Knievel, and it has a removable cape and a swagger stick. He's reportedly done up in retro-style packaging, and if you're one of the first 150 people to pick him up, you'll also get a limited edition screen print. There isn't too much else being reported online this week, but I did make some interesting finds in my local stores. Even though I don't make dedicated toy runs there currently, I still check to see what figures are dangling from the pegs whenever I happen to be in Target. So imagine my shock when I saw new, and when I say new, I mean they weren't there last week, vintage figures. There was still the ever-present dregs of Episode 1, but tucked in with them there were two Adat Commanders, a Dengar, a Cloud Car Pilot, a Bespin Luke, a Zuckus, and a Hoth Leia. This was a bit of a head-scratcher for me. The only thing I can think of is that they were cleaning up the back room and found them behind a box or something. Out of curiosity, I scanned them to see how much they would ring up for, and when they came back at full price, I happily put them back. If you are in Target this week and feel the need to pick up a ship that's been left in the dryer too long, they're reportedly having another sale on their current Class 2 ships, the Slave 1, the Republic Fighter Tank, and the Jedi Starfighter. Now, if your Target is anything like mine, these ships haven't moved at all since their arrival, so if you're interested in them, I might consider waiting to see if you can pick them up on clearance. 
I haven't seen anything else of note at any of the other usual locations. Walmart, Toys R Us, Kmart, and even Five Below seem to be sitting on the little stock that they have in my area. But where I did strike gold over the past few weeks was my local half-price bookstore. Now, your mileage may vary here. I have two stores within driving distance, and while one only seems to ever have books, movies, and music, the other one always seems to have a ton of toys for some reason. This was the store where I found random figures from every line from Power of the Force 2 to the current vintage. Last year I found a stack of brand new, never used Return of the Jedi coloring books from 1983, and more recently I found Marjorie a Jar Jar clock that neither I nor Arnie had ever seen before. So needless to say, I do try to drop in whenever I can to see what they have. When I went back this time, I could tell that someone had just sold them a good portion of their collection. They had a number of Episode One figures from 1999 for between $2.99 and $6.99. They had a Power of the Force 2 electronic X-Wing fighter mint in box for $60. A bit high, I thought. A DVD commemorative 3-pack for $9.99, and a Masterpiece Edition Darth Vader book and 12-inch figure for $29.99. What blew my mind is they also had a set of 10 of the plates from the Bradford Exchange. Each one came with its own styrofoam packaging, and a few of them looked like they were never removed from the plastic. Amazing. What I found for me was a set of vintage hardback Star Wars books from the late 1970s. The original Star Wars, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and the three Han Solo books. These were book club edition hardcovers and were in great shape. And at just under $5 a book, I couldn't pass them up. As I was moving up to the register, another item caught my eye on top of the shelf behind the counter. A vintage, now a real vintage, Darth Vader case. I asked to see it and was pleasantly surprised that it was filled with vintage figures. Because there was no price on it, I asked how much and was told $300. Now, I was able to haggle with the manager a little bit because some of the figures were in somewhat sad condition and a few of the others were missing accessories. When all was said and done, I got the case and 20 figures for $215. The moral of my story? You never know where you might find Star Wars collectibles, so if you have one near you, go check out your local half-price books. I was glad to find this case because this summer, I've decided to finish my loose vintage figure collection. I still have all my original figures from 1978 to 1985, and while some of them are in pristine condition, more than a few of them could use an upgrade. I mean, after all, these were the toys that I played with. So I've been trading, selling, and buying figures to complete my set, and I'm almost there. In fact, a few of the figures that I found at Half Price Books were in mint condition and replaced the ones that I had displayed. Now, another source that I've used to complete my vintage set is actually Star Wars Action News sponsor Brian's Toys. As I've said before, they have a terrific selection of vintage items, and I was able to pick up several C7 to C9 loose figures for quite reasonable prices. If you're looking to fill any holes in your collection, head over to Brian'sToys.com and when checking out, remember to say that you heard about them on Star Wars Action News. Well, that's it for me this week, so until next time, keep searching the pegs. Thank you, Jonathan. Some other items online for sale this week. Daniel Wallace has a new book, and it is up for pre-order from Amazon. It's coming out this October, and it is The Bounty Hunter Code from the Files of Boba Fett. I was kind of wondering what they'd do to continue that series, because it started off with The Jedi Path, and then had The Book of Sith, 
And these were some really cool books, and the books were awesome, the packaging was phenomenal. Well, now they found a third way to go by having a Boba Fett book. And the packaging has yet to be revealed. I'm sure it's going to be completely awesome. And it is 40% off right now if you pre-order at Amazon, so only 60 bucks. Yakface posted a really cool tutorial making a garden gnome Yoda out of the Yoda bust bank that's at Toys R Us right now. They just use some Rust-Oleum spray, some regular spray paint, and they spray paint in bronze and put a patina wash on him with just some other paint, and he looks really cool. And Arnie, if you really like one, I will make one for you. I would love one of these. We mentioned Diamond Select's new bust banks on previous shows, and this Yoda, they just did a great job on the sculpt. I mean... I've liked Diamond's Bust Banks as far as the R2 units go and that awesome Han and Carbonite. But this Yoda, I think, is hands down their best sculpt yet. But not necessarily being a Bust Bank completionist, it was like, well, it's a nice Yoda, but I didn't see what to do with it. But what Jason did, and he is just so skilled with customization, you know, all of the yak face coverage of custom figures and the stuff Jason does himself, he's just an immense talent. But the fact that it's a simple do-it-yourself to take that Bust Bank and make it look, he refers to the Lawrence Noble Bronze Yoda statue, and just this wonderful Bronze Yoda also looks a little bit like yogurt from Spaceballs because he was kind of bronze. And I thought it was good. He was doing step-by-step on Facebook. And I thought just the bronze paint looked really good. I think you could just do that. But he took it another step and took some white and green paint and brushed it over to make it look like oxidized bronze, to make it look even more realistic, which is the thing I don't like about bronze is the fact that it turns all green. Yeah, that is one of the problems with bronze. But I think for this, it works. For a garden item that you'd actually have outside, it really works. Well, I have an idea for this, so perhaps I will buy supplies for this, because I have something in mind for around our pool with this little Yoda. And what I'm thinking also is, if you have good ideas like this, the Jawa is also a great sculpt. There's that Garden Gnome Jawa that Star Wars Shop had that is crazy expensive on eBay now. Just insanely expensive. I wouldn't put it outside. I never was going to. I kept him in our collection, on display, but in the collection, and you could do something like that with the non-exclusive Jawa that you can get at cons or at your local comic book store and do a similar thing if you prefer some Garden Gnome Jawas. It's a great idea and a great scale. It's actually a little bigger than the Garden Gnomes I see at like a Hobby Lobby or something. So Jason, the utmost of respect to you for an awesome, awesome idea. But going back to last week's show, we were talking about the Black Series packaged photographs that Yoda's News revealed. They had the first shots out there, the first high-res shots of Darth Vader, Padme, Luke, and Biggs. And I was looking at these, and I'm kind of like, it's okay. It's new. It's something we haven't seen before. And there's always something of a honeymoon period whenever Hasbro releases a new card back. No matter what the card back is, it makes it real easy to spot on shelves. It's exciting because you're seeing figures that haven't sat there for 12 to 18 months. No matter what the card back is, every time I see it on the store shelves, it's exciting. And before I've seen it on the store shelves, 
I'm getting there. The only ones I've not loved are the blue. Either the Lost Line packaging look, which I was always kind of, it's okay. And I was really hunting for mostly for its chase nature. Or the old Saga figures on their blue backdrops with the blue inserts. Remember when they had the inserts on just the first shipment, then they decided it was too expensive? Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of people say they don't like these cards. So joining us right now is Justin from MarveliciousToys.com, who is a graphic designer and packaging expert. So Justin, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's weird to be over here in this studio. I'm not used to it. (laughs) So I just wanted to talk and get your expertise about the Hasbro Black series. Well, geez, that's quite a buildup. I don't know if I can live up to having expertise, but I'll definitely give my opinion. How's that? (laughs) Here's the way I look at it. Hasbro had a chance here to completely reinvent action figure packaging. And to a certain degree, they did a little bit if we're talking about the six-inch scale. Because Hasbro's already been in the game with Marvel Legends, and they have six-inch figures there, and they basically just have a big bubble card that they put a lot of artwork on. Well, here, I think they're saying from a design standpoint that they're going directly at the collectors and want to go for a minimalist type of packaging, which I think they've succeeded at. I mean, you look at them, there's two colors on there. There's white and orange and maybe some foiling. Now, I think that works pretty well on the six inch scale because it's a big window box that the figure stands out with. Now, you take that down to the three and three quarter inch packaging. I don't know if it translates as well. What I think the Black Series has going for it in the six inch scale is the accessories. It's really filled out the packaging. You look at that X-Wing Luke, which is the one I've seen the most of, and you've got Luke there filling the majority of the bubble, but then off to the side you have the lightsaber, you have the accessories. There's no dead space on that package. Is it minimalist? Absolutely. But it also is completely effective in showcasing the figure. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. It makes a good showcase for the figure, letting the colors of the figure come through. And as of yet, I haven't seen a packaged shot of the Darth Maul, which is going to be a little bit tricky because he's mostly black with just a red head. So that might not be the best one to use as a packaging sample. True. The R2, the orange Luke, that would all pop, whereas a Vader, you might not see him. Exactly. And that's kind of the problem I have with the three and three quarter inch cards is that, you know, Vader is one that they're showcasing and you can hardly see him on that card. But beyond that, I feel like the smaller cards are missing something. You know, maybe it's just a lack of anything in the bubble itself and just having a bare bubble with no logo insert in there or color character keys on there or anything like that. I think what you're kind of getting to, because for me, what I like the black and the orange, and I like the Bespin look on the side. I think that's a nice touch. It kind of looks like a knockoff card, like something that would be like star something at like the Big Lots or the Dollar General. You know what I'm talking about? Like those fake toy lines that are very similar. You're not the only person who I've heard say that. That's very interesting. That That's a common go-to. It just, I think without the insert, it just kind of looks empty and we're so used to having something in there it's gonna be a pain to rifle through these on the shelf well exactly i mean in and in the bigger six inch scale what they've managed to do is create kind of a collector 
friendly kind of higher end feel to it, you know, with the satin black and the glossy finish and all that stuff. But that just does not translate down to the smaller card. The card feels like a cheap knockoff of the same idea. See, I don't mind this card because I like the orange and black. Like you say, Marjorie, it's evoking the Cloud City carbon freeze chamber. It also looks kind of like Death Star 2 a little bit, you know, with the lighting that framed the elevator they took to see the Emperor. So I really kind of like that Star Wars-y feel. I like the silver coin emblem, which they're doing on both, because it harkens back to the Power of the Force line from the 80s and the coins they also did for Tack in this line. And by having them as coins, there's something almost mythic. You're really saying these people are important if you're representing them as coins. Would real coins be cooler? Absolutely. Don't want to pay for it, though. (laughs) Neither does Hasbro. But I agree the figure looks really small in the bubble. I think that it's really empty. There's a lot of just negative space there. That said, I don't mind it because it's a fresh look. It's a change. They're actually printing something on the front which is character specific versus going with the cheaper route, which is having an insert that just goes in the bubble and says what the character is. It's more expensive for them to print something on the front. I think it adds a little something to have it on the front. And I just look back at some of the Star Wars lines in just modern times. And the one that this I keep equating to is the Saga series. If you remember, we didn't get Episode 2 line, but we had the Saga collection with those ugly sky blue cards that looked like some crazy Bob Ross painting with some happy clouds in the background. (laughs) It was non-Star Wars was the problem. And it was so generic. They just had the inserts in the bubble. And those were the huge wraparound bubbles, too. I mean, this isn't a wraparound bubble. It glued on the front, but... It had the huge bubble and the over-stylized poses where that was the only pose a lot of those figures would ever take. So compared to that, which I think is honestly my least favorite Star Wars card, I think this is still a step up. Hey, I agree it's a step up from that line, but that's the line that they got me to quit collecting Star Wars for a while. I mean, I, I did not collect Star Wars during that whole period, and then Revenge of the Sith got me back in. And this card here isn't screaming, hey, I want a whole line of these hung up on my wall for display. Not yet. I'm kind of looking further down the line, you know, maybe when we have 20 or 30 of these figures out and I'm thinking about what the pegs are going to look like, there's going to be no variety. It's going to be three pegs stacked with orange stripes coming down. I don't know. Maybe they'll change up the color from wave to wave. Maybe that's something we don't know. Add a little variety in there. Who knows? But for now, it's just it doesn't have the iconic feeling of the vintage collection or even the saga collection where the whole background was an image where the figure sat in front of that. Yeah. When you look at that saga collection that they did around the 30th anniversary versus which I think they call saga two, that was a lot nicer. The vintage. I mean, that will always be my favorite card type, but I've said it on the show. I thought it was starting to lose what made it special. I thought it was getting watered down the more they were doing it. I remember when Vintage relaunched and going into the stores and seeing vintage style cards again was so exciting. But I think honestly, just the amount of peg warming soured me on it so that I was always seeing the same freaking figures on it. 
I needed something else. I mean, it was just overdone. I'm tired of seeing the Phantom Menace on vintage cards after over a year, almost 18 months of seeing nothing but that whenever I go to the stores. So to, even though it's my overall favorite look for nostalgic reasons, I'm really good with them moving away from it. This, I just, I don't get the internet hate. I think there's a lot of internet hate right now just because collectors are dissatisfied with not having product and the fact that there's less of it, the fact that they're doing the non-articulated figures, the mission series figures. You want to talk ugly card. Let's talk mission series. With that giant Vader reaching out like he's coming off the card for you. Yeah, if you're doing the Revenge of the Sith 3D, it makes sense. But that is a fugly card. Agreed. <laughs> if people want to internet rage, rage against that. Five points of articulation and this crazy animated Vader that looks anime style. No, but the other one, it's simplistic. And what you've said, though, Justin, when you started talking about the multiple waves, it did make me think, since I'm getting a full carded collection of these, how will it look 50 figures down the line? How will it look on a wall with 50 of these in star cases put up? And I'm not sure how that will look. I mean, I compare it again back to Power of the Force 2 and the Phantom Menace, where you just had the same lightsaber stripe across the card or something like that. Those cards were pretty individual, but you had the picture on the side. Here you've got the coin emblem. Being monochromatic, the coin emblem kind of takes that away. I'm trying to process this. I think it'll be striking, though, because the black will frame these figures. It'll look like a nice display case. It will, but it doesn't address a few issues that we brought up earlier. And if this came across my desk as a designer, I would note it out to death saying, yes, I understand that we need to keep the same aesthetic from the six inch line to this line, but each one of them needs a little bit of their own individual oomph. And I think this card isn't bad. It's just not completely finished or fleshed out. You know, I'm not saying that each character needs a character picture or a scene background behind that bubble. But maybe if we introduce some colors behind them that kind of harkens back to the vintage line without actually being a knockoff of the vintage line. Because even back then, they knew that each figure was going to be different and they needed a, a rainbow of colors to make each character pop off the back of that card. And here, anything that's going to be in black is just going to get sucked into that card. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, in person, the tonal differences, the texture differences will make it pop. But you're right. You've now given me another nightmare photographing these. Yeah, that's going to be hard. <laughs> I thought you'd thought of that. <laughs> and if those are foil bits in the logo, good luck. You're going to have a lot of flash issues. It's like photographing a Hot Toys box. It's all about the angles. <laughs> This may cure a few people of carded completionism. I don't know. Of all things, I still think the character selection is the worst part here. <laughs> the cards. <laughs> it's a little bit weak out of the gate, for sure. Well, Justin, thank you for joining us. And if you want to hear more of Justin, Marjorie, and me talking toys, head over to MarveliciousToys.com, where every Wednesday we talk about the newest Hasbro Marvel toys with Iron Man 3 collection and the upcoming Wolverine toys and San Diego Comic-Cons. You can find that all at Marvelicious Toys. Justin, we will talk to you in a couple days. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Well, and speaking of collectibles that Marjorie needs, which we weren't talking about at all, but perhaps we're going to. <laughs> this new Lego Ewok Village, we need this, and we're going to build it. Well, this is coming in September. 
I have a birthday in September if you're looking for a gift to buy yourself for me. Well, I may have to buy this for me for your birthday. Absolutely. This is a Lego store exclusive because it's a big set of an Ewok village. It's $250, has 1,990 pieces. Come on. You couldn't remove seven pieces from this. So you had 1983 pieces <laughs> for Return of the Jedi. You couldn't do 1983. It has 15 minifigures. I know. Look at all of them. I must have them. Including some of the most adorable Ewoks ever. Yes. Princess Leia with two faces, happy and disgruntled. Well, of course, you need those. And this is, I've let my hair down and partied with some Ewoks, Leia. Yes. Don't you wonder exactly what was happening with Leia and the Ewoks from the time Wicket took her to the village and the time the others showed up? They changed her clothes. They did her hair. Yeah, it was like a spa in a mall. She got pedicures and, you know, they did her hair. They had a mall. She went some shopping. She went to Urban Outfitters. Why are you laughing at me? No, I'm laughing at the thought of Ewoks doing manicures. It's probably really sloppy, you know, kind of like if I let my dogs give me a manicure, but... You get biker scouts. You get all kinds of Ewok traps, including the logs that crash together. You could put a Lego ATST right between them. And since it's Lego, you could have the head being crushed. And how about 3PO's throne? This whole thing just rocks. One of the last Star Wars collectibles I got in my vintage, at the time, collecting era gift from my parents was the Lego Village. And I had so much fun with that. No, not the Robin Hood set, the actual Lego Village. And this looks so cool. I've never bought a $250 Lego set before, but I think I may have to for this one. And yeah, <laughs> I think we do have to build it. I think we do. And if we build it, they will come. Ewoks, they will be here. And because I have no segue, we'll be back after this commercial. Tired of going to the lame comic cons and sitting around with smelly, moldy comic book boxes and the odor of really creepy cosplayers? Well, you don't have to go there anymore. Connecticut Comic Con with two ends is back on August 24, 2013 at the Marriott Hotel in Trumbull, Connecticut. Join us at Connecticut Comic Con and be part of the coolest con in the entire Northeast. Toys, toys, collectibles, collectibles, sci-fi, sci-fi, cosplay contest, all at Connecticut Comic Con. Looking for that comic book to complete your collection? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Want a piece of original artwork to hang on the wall? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Connecticut Comic Con. It is your destiny. More details can be found at www.comiccon.com. Connecticut Comic Con! Next up, we've got someone who we're going to see in about two months. Actually, okay, about a month. We'll be seeing Steve over in Germany for Celebration Europe 2. Greetings all, this is Steve the Ginger Prince, and this week I want to bring you a report from my visit to Collectomania 19. Bank holiday weekends are great, they give you a chance to mow the lawns, creosote the fences and wash the car. Or if you're like me, go to a convention. And this bank holiday we had a choice to make, as two large conventions were taking place in the UK. 
MCMX Expo was happening in London and the Showmasters Collector Mania event was taking place in the home of the roundabout Milton Keynes. We chose to take an early Saturday morning train down to Milton Keynes for the 19th Collector Mania. We've been there a number of times before and it's like slipping into a comfortable pair of shoes. Besides, there's an MCM Expo event up here in Manchester in July, so we can hit that then. Collectomania 19 was held at the Milton Keynes Don Football Stadium. This isn't a great venue, as apart from a big vendors room that gets incredibly full and incredibly hot, the rest of the sellers and the autograph guests are situated on the stadium concourse, and this is open to the elements, so it gets really cold. The three things the event has got going for it are free shuttle buses from the train station to the ground, completely free entry, and the fact that there's always a game of footy going on, so if you get tired of the queues you can sit in the stadium seats and watch some sweaty men running around kicking an inflated pig's bladder. Our first order of business once inside the stadium was acquiring the autographs of two of the three Star Wars actors that had been invited as guests for the day. I say two out of three because the third was Kenny Baker, and these days I see him more than I see my own mother, so there was no need to say hello to him. I was incredibly excited to meet Oliver Ford Davies, accomplished stage actor and the man behind Sio Bibble, and thus responsible for the line, The death toll is catastrophic. Oliver was a lovely chap who was very generous with his time. He agreed with me that next to General Maydean, his beard was the best in the Star Wars saga, but pointed out that his beard was real, and that like my own beard it comes on and off as it takes his fancy. He also told a story of helping out a nervous 12 year old girl on the set of The Phantom Menace, totally oblivious of who she would become, that girl of course now being the gorgeous Kira Knightley. On from Mr Bibble we paid a visit to Mr Baker. No, we'd not changed our minds about shaking hands again with Kenny. This was Mr Glyn Baker, the man who played Lieutenant Endicott, the Imperial officer stationed on the second Death Star who oversaw the unexpected arrival of Vader at the start of Return of the Jedi. Most appropriate as it happened to be the 30th birthday of the film on that very day. Glyn was great fun and completely shocked to hear that it was 30 years to the day of the American release of Jedi. He told us a story of how he was invited to the London premiere of the film, and told to bring his kids as Lucasfilm was still keen on evaluating how under-11s reacted to the film. He said his son was completely disinterested by the arrival of famous actor after famous actor on the red carpet, but lost his marbles when a minibus of little people in full Ewok outfits turned up. Autographs in the bag, we stopped to get our photo taken with some of the marvellous cosplayers walking the stadium concourse, and had a look at some of the displays such as those put on by the ever-popular R2 builders. The joy a whistling R2 unit or a well-turned-out predator can bring to the humble congoer always makes me smile. Into the vendors room we ventured, and it is an adventure as you really have to fight your way through the crowds just to get close to the dealer tables. Our first couple of buys was from a dealer called Pins and Things, and they satisfied one of my passions and a desire for a new project that we're starting. You all know one of my main collecting areas is Star Wars cards. Not Valentines, but playing cards and top trumps. Well this guy had two of the new packs from the mighty Carter Mundi, a company who has been consistently putting out quality Star Wars items for ages now, and I had to snap both the weapons pack and the battles pack right up. The weapons pack features one weapon per card with a nice clear picture on a white background, along with the full name of it. As well as the expected guns and lightsabers, there are a number of other more exquisite items of death getting their chance to shine here, such as the Electrostaff, favoured by the Magna Guards, and the BD-1 Vibro Cutter Axe, used by those walnut-faced Weak Ace Skiff Guards. Unusually better than the front of the cards is the awesome photo that Carter Mundi have chosen for the reverse, 
It features a battle damage Luke Skywalker, all in black and white except for a bright blue saber blade. I'd love this image on a poster. The reverse of the battles cards is equally lovely, featuring the epic tussle between Luke and Vader on Cloud City, again in black and white save for their ignited saber blades. The fronts of these cards feature classic saga battles on a black background, both prequel like Django vs Obi-Wan and the scuffle on Geonosis, and original trilogy such as Ewoks kicking lumps out of Imperial troops. These really are great sets of cards and I highly recommend picking them up. The fella on the stall told me to be on the lookout for a set of playing cards that will feature the Star Wars art of one Ralph McQuarrie. They're due out soon, and there's no fear that I'll be picking those up as well. The other item that we bought from this dealer was a small Return of the Jedi sew-on patch. Now those of you who were at Star Wars Celebration 6 know that I got bitten by the patch bug. I got it bad. But it's laid dormant for a while. That was until a couple of weeks ago at the Star Wars Fan Fun Day in Burnley when I saw a chick with a denim jacket covered in some sweet patches. At that moment an idea clicked in my head. Why not create a similar patch jacket for my lovely wife Suzanne? And since then I've been acquiring extra patches for this little project that Suzanne hopes to reveal completed at Star Wars Celebration Europe 2 in July. Whilst on the theme of what Suzanne will be wearing at this summer celebration, we moved on from there to a vendor called Chopper, who specialised in taking vintage fabrics and turning them into various items of clothing and haberdashery. Suzanne picked out a dress made from some vintage Star Wars ships fabric. It's a blue line number that zips up the back and finishes just above the knee. They had a number of other dresses from other properties like Marvel and My Little Pony, and a Clone Wars dress, but Suzanne was very happy with her choice. Whilst we were at this store we also bought a couple of cushions, or as you Americans call them, couch pillows. Suzanne picked up a cushion made from some vintage Return of the Jedi fabric, possibly a duvet cover. It depicts the logo and some characters from the film, and I think she picked it up primarily because of some prominently positioned Ewoks. I bought a cushion made from some vintage 1977 curtains, depicting the classic Hildebrandt art, to match the actual curtains which keep the light out of my collection room. The fabric is in much better condition than my curtains, which have seen many years of use, and as a result are a much lighter blue, but they'll still match beautifully. On from fabrics, our next purchase was from a poster store. Now on a recent episode of the podcast, Arnie and Marjorie talked about acquiring the Ollie Moss Greedo print from Mondo. And whilst I love that piece of art, the work of his that I preferred was the set of three pieces depicting the original trilogy films in a really clever way. 3PO's head with Tatooine's twin son for eyes, Boba Fett's head with Cloud City for his T-visor, and Vader's head containing a rampant ATST on the Forest of Endor. Well this vendor had copies of these prints for £15 a piece, and the quality of these was really good. So I picked them up and will frame and display them with pride. That's if I can find some wall space. Our next purchase was also something that Arnie and Marjorie had discussed on a recent episode. Already owning Jeffrey Brown's Vader and Son and loving the sound of the concept behind his new book, I was on the lookout for Vader's Little Princess. And when I found it being offered for £2 cheaper than the recommended retail price of a tenner by a dealer, I snapped it up. The book is laugh out loud funny and the art is great. If you don't own it yet and like Brown's first book, then again, I recommend you jump on it. Our final purchase of the day was in the more familiar realm of action figures. A vendor called Space Junk Toys had a table with an eclectic mix of vintage and modern, but what caught my eye was some loose graded vintage action figures that they had towards the back of their table. 
I've recently been on a bit of a vintage kick and picked up some loose and carded, graded and ungraded figures whilst the modern line is in a bit of a slump. These figures were UK, not AFA graded, and in lovely condition. Suzanne's eye was caught by a vintage wicket from 1984. It was graded 85 for both the figure and the paint. His little belly where the paint is usually scuffed on this figure, as his hood rubs against his fur, was really quite clean. My eye was caught by a vintage 21B, a figure from 1980 that I've bought in ungraded form within the last 12 months. This has an even higher grading at 90 for both figure and paint. The seller wanted an even £50 for each figure. I did a bit of bartering and got a tenner knocked off the price for them and snapped them up. So all in all a great con but the day's excitement didn't stop there. After a three hour round trip home I opened the front door to find a package waiting for me. Inside was two clean white mail away boxes, each containing a pristine unpunched carded Boba Fett in prototype armour. I've never seen one of these figures in person and when my good twitter buddy Darth Fuss alerted me to the fact that they were available at the price of £12.99 at the online Toys R Us store, I pulled the trigger as quick as a flash. This figure is beyond cool. I like to think that this is what Boba would have worn had a visit to Hoth been written into the Empire Strikes Back script. I love his all white look, but the best thing about this dude is his guns. He comes with two funky rifles that are quite unlike any other gun in the Star Wars universe, and they really sit well with this figure. Again, if you're in the UK and need to have this 3 and 3 quarter inch beauty, then get yourself to online true ASAP whilst they still have them. Right, okay, that's me done. I'll return you safely to the care of Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Steve. And that is our show for this week. We will not be back next week because we are taking a week off to try to get ready. It's turning out that I think we're the only people we know doing both Comic-Con and Celebration Europe. Perhaps we're insane, but that's never been disputed, I suppose. We were talking to Steve Sansweet, and he's skipping Comic-Con. Yeah. But we are going to both Comic-Con and Celebration Europe, but this is taking a lot of time to prepare and learn languages and such. So we are taking another week off next week, so we will be back in two weeks. Likely with a review of the premium format, the Force Unleashed Shakti figure, and so much more. And speaking of Celebration Europe, they have announced that as Celebration Europe is a tattoo pavilion, we all know Marjorie got a nice big leg piece tattoo at Celebration 6. You down for another one, Marjorie? Hell no. And here's why. Well, I don't regret the tattoo. Yeah, it hurt, blah, blah, blah. Don't get one on a big trip like that. Because I still had a walk around celebration on Sunday with my new tattoo that was raw. 
and sore, weeping color, a little bit of blood sometimes. My legs swelled up, ginormous. I looked like I had elephant man disease on one leg only. It was miserable. Um, our hotel room was full of saran wrap and aquaphor, keeping this thing wrapped at night and everything. The sheets had blue and red and green all over them from my tattoo ink leaking just because they ooze and weep. Then Monday, we were running around Orlando finalizing everything, and my leg is just ginormous. It hurt to move. I'm not going to do that because we're going on vacation after celebration, so I am not going to get a large tattoo. Probably not even a small one either, although that would be really cool, wouldn't it? (laughs) Damn it! I think you just talked yourself into it. I may have. I don't know yet. See, and here I was thinking about getting a big leg piece so that we can walk around all of Europe with a limp and pain and lotions. No, you you weren't. No, I wasn't. But I can see getting a small one. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe I'll finally get the one I want because I just want something simple for my first half marathon that I did a few years ago. Maybe I'll just get something Star Wars-y with the 13.1. But no, I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. I should not do it. I got to say not on your leg. Yeah, not on my leg. No legs. If you're looking at one, front, back, arms, face, okay. But not your legs. I can get legs. like, you know, the Mike Tyson thing. Or how about just the single tear? Yeah, that's really classy, isn't it? Work would love it. They would. And speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, a reminder and some news about the San Diego Comic-Con third annual Star Wars Fan Breakfast. It went crazy popular this year, and we had to get a wait list. Yeah, unfortunately, we underestimated the popularity. Our first year, we had around 50 people. The second year, we had between 80 and 90 people. And because not a lot of people are going to San Diego Comic-Con this year because they're choosing Comic-Con or Celebration Europe, we expected about the same number and asked Edgewater Grill to save us the same number. And we had over 100 people RSVP in the first week, more than we've ever had before. And Edgewater Grill, we're working with them to see if we can get more than 100 people in. But at the moment, we've had to cut off RSVPs and we are adding people to a wait list. Edgewater Grill is going to see if they can reduce and streamline their menu, and then we could handle perhaps up to 200 people. I think that would still not accommodate everybody based on the interest in just this first week. But right now, if you RSVP by sending an email to fanbreakfast at swactionnews.com, you'll be put on a wait list. And if Edgewater Grill can handle more people, or if we have some cancellations, we will email you first come, first serve to get you on the list. And be sure to follow our forum thread and follow Star Wars Action News on Facebook and on Twitter, because as we have updates of availability for the Fan Breakfast, that will be the place we post. And definitely want to give a shout out to all of the sponsors who have donated great prizes for our third annual Fan Breakfast. We've got Momoko, Gentle Giant, Hallmark again. Hallmark is always wonderful and just great to us with the amount of things they give us. Kotobukiya, Diamond Select, Random House Audio giving five copies of Crucible, the Troy Denning book that will have just been released as of San Diego Comic-Con. Just a ton of door prizes, plus we're bringing some special things from Star Wars Action News and a few other items. So RSVP to Fan Breakfast at SWActionNews.com and hopefully we'll be able to get you in. But make sure to get on the wait list now. If you have any interest in going, get on the wait list. Yeah, because I imagine our wait list will fill up in definitely by our next show two weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And that's if we can let more in. 
in. So we hope to see you at the breakfast, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at swactionnews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that podcast at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. You can help support Star Wars Action News by making a donation using the Donate button at SWActionNews.com or by using affiliate links on the Star Wars Action News homepage when shopping online. Your support helps keep Star Wars Action News on the air. We also appreciate it if you would spread the word about Star Wars Action News. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes page is at SWActionNews.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew and Barrett, associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting.
And if we build it, they will come. Ewoks, they will be here. My segue was almost, well, you know who's coming now is Steve. That's not a good one. And because not a lot of people seem to be going to celebration, middle. 